0: What is crack a fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Damp Valley coming at you with the first of two, or I guess it's one, but two New Year's themed pods. I'm going to go through. I did a project where I polled people on every NBA team's biggest regret from the 2022 calendar year. And then we're going to go through New Year's resolutions at some point. Might release it on New Year's Day or maybe the day after, since that's a. Since that's a Monday, so it'll be New Year's resolution for 2023. Before we get started, and we're going through every every NBA team here, the link to the actual projects will be in the YouTube and podcast descriptions if you want to read them in full, because I will try and pick up the pace here per the request of some YouTube commenters on segments like these. But the best way to help out the show, and we really appreciate it, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to all your podcast players, cross-subscribe, do both. Ratings help us a ton. Take other people's phones, rate us from there, download every episode, subscribe, maybe help us climb the charts a little bit on the top MBA podcast. Uh, and also just word of mouth. Recommendations really go a long way. Um, if you do recommend the podcast to someone, tell me. Tag us on Twitter, anything along those lines. And also join our Discord channel. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube descriptions as well. We have a lot of fun in there. And so we get stragglers coming in every couple of days. Let's up that ante. Let's have some good conversations. There's a lot of good conversations going on in there. That'll do it, though. I think that's everything. Follow us on the socials. Those are on the screen if you're on YouTube or they're in the podcast description. We're at Hardwood Knox on YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok, and at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Helps us out if you follow us there, too. Let's dig into this, though. So I did every NBA team's biggest regret of 2022, and I think it's kind of important to note that this is not meant to just be a pessimistic exercise. Um, this is, I call it the welcome to the season of no regrets, a glorious time of year in which we reflect on the past 12 months of the NBA calendar. Never once actually lamenting our fandom interest or the hours upon hours we've spent watching this league, but we dutifully acknowledge that, yeah, things could have always gone better for each and every team, including our favorite. Now, as far as criteria for this goes, I didn't go with injuries since those are not in within a team's control regrets are also relative Uh, some teams barely have any from which to choose and they force us to split hairs and pick nits and obsess over the the particulars that's that's perfectly fine other franchises yeah well there will be stronger louder more painful pangs of if we only had a time machine or just flat out oh crap moments but many of these mistakes i'm going to point out they're mistakes right now or regrets right now it doesn't mean that they're irreversible and so don't you know Don't go through this if you don't have a thick enough skin or you think that all these are irreversible. Some of them might be irreversible. And I also think, finally, if you prodded team executives for their responses here, they would give you a bunch of different answers. These regrets are not meant to reflect what the team would say because they're going to give you the party line. Instead, I informally polled people who cover and follow every team Um, for their thoughts, suggestions, and confirmations with one goal in mind, spotlighting moves or overarching themes from the year 2022. So part of last season, part of this season, that each franchise should be regretting as of now, as we enter 2023. And the actual last final aside, uh, I did steer clear of anything that wasn't purely related to basketball. Um, There are a lot more important things that have happened off the court this year that deserve focus but they're also debatable those should be regrets everyone involved everyone related to the team should regret all the stuff that we've seen happen with um miles bridges pleading no contest to a felony domestic violence charge then the hornets you know news dumping that they were in contracts talks with him right before christmas uh Kyrie irving's anti-semitic propaganda anthony edwards um saying homophobic comments and then being fined for such anything related to robert sarver and the phoenix suns um D- dr hillary kalfin alleging that Uh, Josh Primo indecently exposed himself during their, their session. She was a former teen psychologist and he was subsequently released all this stuff, Boston Celtics and Ime Adoka being suspended for having an inappropriate workplace relationship and making unwanted comments toward a female employee. These are regrets. They should be regrets. They just weren't the focus here. And I don't mean to downplay them. They are inarguably regrettable. Um, So I'm not intending to ignore marginalize them. This is just a basketball exercise as callous as that sounds. With that, though, as we're already off to a better pace, as I say that I'm going to th- go, th- go through this, we start with the Atlanta Hawks. This was interesting. The regret I have is trading Kevin Herter to Sacramento, but also letting Travis Slank uh, direct their entire offseason before pivoting into different front office leadership less than halfway through the year. We know that now David McMillan's thinking about resigning because – uh, you know, not be, well, because of what's going on in talks. He said that maybe he's thinking about retiring after this year, I believe was the, the latest Landry Fields feels like he's already going to make changes. It's weird to let Schlank go through your entire off season spearhead, the DeJounte Murray trade, your draft, all that jazz. And then for him to sort of step down midway through the year, if he was that close to being fired or demoted, however you want to frame it, um, you probably should have made that call sooner, I would think, or not let him make such wholesale decisions. But I think that's the easy one here. like look, Kevin Herter, the, Hawks are in the bottom three of both three-point percentage and attempt rate. Kevin Herter is a lights-out shooter who is killing it for the Kings, shooting over 40% on his triples. Uh, the Boston Celtics, the regret, turnovers, and poor defensive rebounding to close out the 2022 NBA Finals. I think that's a no-brainer here. You can't really lament Robert Williams thirds injury. I guess some people could say, could they have gotten Malcolm Brogdon at last year's trade deadline? He was battling Achilles injuries um, all year last season, so I can't say that. And when you look at the the Celtics, they jump out to a 2-1 to series lead in the finals. And over the final three games, they turn the ball over more than 20% of their possessions, and they allow Golden State to rebound almost 30% of their own misses. And then Game 6, in particular, they turn the ball over on 25%, just about, of their offensive possessions, and then they allow Golden State to board 37.3% of their friendly misfires. They'd like to have those back. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, probably don't regret a whole lot right now, but taking so long to carve out some semblance of stability here, it's a no-brainer. I think you can equate this to they should have fired Steve Nash sooner. If you weren't going to give in to Kevin Durant over the offseason, but then fire Steve Nash seven games into the year, um, that's weird. And you've been basically the best team in basketball under Jacques Vaughn, but it's also just the extracurricular stuff. Um, Taking so long to kind of draw a line in the sand with Kyrie Irving, not just with Um, his their response to his anti-Semitic propaganda, but also His contract talks like that's not on if they didn't want to sign him, that's fine. But they let that drag out. They let the Kevin Durant trade demand circus play out for so long. You're hedging on Steve Nash there. They let this even the James Harden stuff before he was traded last year. They let this team turn into a three ring circus and then let it last for longer than it really needed to. And that's just that's a that's a no brainer regret there. The Hornets, I think some people are going to point to, well, why are they still aiming for the middle and just can't blow it up? How are you going to blow it up with this team? Who has net positive trade value aside from LaMelo? Cody Martin's not healthy, otherwise he might. But there's P.J. Washington, and Mark Williams probably has it at this point, and maybe Kelly Oubre Jr., and that's just kind of sort of it. At this point, the Hornets suck right now, and so they don't need to blow it up. They're going to be organically bad. I don't understand why they dealt out of number 13 in the draft. That's their biggest regret. They ended up getting a pick from that'll come from the nuggets that'll be worse this year it's gonna be way outside the lottery and then four like kind of shitty second rounders Uh, this isn't about them missing on Jalen duran mark williams has looked pretty good lately but like why not take a flyer on you know take mark williams the guy you apparently wanted at number 13 and then they could have taken a flyer on Tari eason or christian brown imagine any of those guys on this team right now the chicago bulls their biggest regret has to be whiffing on the 2022 nba trade deadline We knew that Lonzo Ball was having knee issues at that point, but the Bulls were married to this win-now timeline at that moment, regardless. His injury can't change that, even Alex Caruso being banged up. Um, If you had the chance to flip Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes, two perfect fits that were just sort of floating around on the trade market out there, and you didn't, that's a big miss because look at just where you're at now. Patrick Williams is... Kind of shown signs at both ends, but then it's just maddeningly inconsistent as stretches where you don't feel him. And the Bulls are not better off now for keeping him, nor are they more equipped to tear it down and start over because they kept him either. They should have done something to maximize last year when they were 13 games over 500 at the trade deadline. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Karis LaVert trade, this is, it's not a huge regret. And they have his expiring contract now, but they have other contracts that they get, like J- Jetty Osmond and Dylan Windler. Windler, like you can step ladder your way with money, even Kevin Love if really needed to, to bring in a bigger ticket player. Uh, but you gave up a first round pick. You got to keep it this past year, and you ended up sending it out in the Donovan Mitchell trade. But if you still had that just extra first round pick in your chamber, you could have used it to make a trade this year, or does it save you a pick? in the the jazz trade for donovan mitchell where maybe you're not going out as far on the commitments I, I doubt it maybe danny ainge even insists on getting that pick as well but i think you'd rather have the pick at this point for the flexibility it would provide you on the trademark i think karis Levert, who's had an iffy season and becomes definitely redundant a little bit off the bench as another ball handler when and if ricky rubio is healthy the Mavericks. It's the jail. how they handled the Jalen Brunson situation and his eventual exit. Uh, I think we can argue that most of the situation played out before 2022 because the, Ma- the Mavericks didn't offer him that 4-year, 55.5 million dollar extension whatever it was um leading into last season. And at, I I'm sure they would have offered it or and I don't know if they did. I think there's a, there's conflicting reports about that. He wasn't going to sign it with the way he was playing last year. I think what's more problematic is they didn't capitalize on his value at the trade deadline, having to know he was a, fr- a flight risk, even more so than that. Like they didn't put up an aggressive ne- enough offer to even like maybe poach him away from the Knicks. And even if you thought he was already gone to the Knicks, how did you not try to find leverage to broker a sign and trade? You saw the Knicks were going to lengths to create cap space. Was it just a non-starter? And even if you're going to come up with an excuse for all that, there's no defense defense for just not adequately replacing him. You have Luca being overworked still, even though they've tried to use him in different situations. And then you, like Christian Wood, okay, you have Spencer Dinwiddie, but you already had Spencer Dinwiddie. That wasn't an addition. That was just him being promoted, essentially, because of the Jalen Brunson exit. And now Kemba Walker plus Christian Wood, that's not enough, uh, like, extra shot creation there. You couldn't even bag Goran Dragic, a friend of Luka Doncic, because you wanted him to be basically a shorter Boban and sit at the end of your bench. Um, you're also not built to make a trade now because you have to convey that pick to the Knicks. So I'll excuse not making a trade, but not just even more capably handling Brunson's exit in general and the fallout from it. Uh, you have to regret that. The Denver Nuggets, no major regrets, but I think giving the Thunder a 2027 first round pick to take on to Michael Green, it's conditional, predicted out to 2029. That has to be a regret. It wasn't an either or proposition. Uh, it was a, It was a way of cutting their tax bill and they are comfortably in the tax now. Also, the Contavious cobble Pope trade cut their tax bill, but that was also just a really good basketball trade from them. I know the Nuggets got the number 30 pick in last year's draft as part of that Jermichael Green dump, but unless you're in love with Peyton Watson, I would prefer the flexibility of being able to trade up to two first-round picks conditionally because of their commitment to, is it Orlando? I think it's Orlando because of the way their commitment to Orlando shakes out. That would be more valuable to them. And I think, You could also say, if you want to talk about the Monte Morris trade, there wasn't a way to figure that one out without giving him up because now you saddle Bones Highland with just so much. I think those reps end up helping Bones in the long run, and the struggles are sort of part and parcel here. It's really just the, I'd rather have the pick. I don't care about saving billionaires money or cutting their – their tax bill. Uh, so even if you had your Michael green on the roster, you just don't have Peyton Watson at that point. It's a, it's a body count wash and you could have waved Michael green. Like we're talking about billionaires here and a championship contender um, who I think needs to more, uh, more optimally use their best assets. And I don't know that they would have went out and made this huge trade, but those picks to have them, not only are they cost controlled assets down the line, uh, like players down the line, but their assets you can move in future seasons, even if it's not this one, it just would have been more flexibility. So not a fan of it in hindsight, the Pistons, they're at a point in their rebuild where you can't necessarily regret much unless you think that Jay Nivey was the, the wrong selection. I just, why are you giving Marvin Bagley three guaranteed years? I know that he played well and developed chemistry with um, Cade Cunningham at the end of last year. What was his market that you need to give him 12.5 million bucks a pop? That's above mid level money. Why did it have to go out so long? He has been bad this year. He's, he's shooting, he's like an effective field goal percentage, sub 45 on jumpers not hitting his threes doesn't make sense in the dual big lineups opponents are shooting over 72% at the rim when he's on the floor he also hasn't been able to play with Cade Cunningham because Bagley missed the start of the season and came back just as Cade Cunningham suffered his his shin injury so that's just the deal that they should want back it's not a movable but it's at least one year too long and it's a net negative asset at this point the Warriors look They're catching some fire right now. Jonathan Kaminga doing great things on the defensive end. Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ty Jerome have looked fantastic. The fact that the Warriors are dependent on guys named Ty Jerome and Patrick Baldwin Jr. right now, even with Steph out, is very concerning. And they probably should have done a better job of, I won't say keeping veteran bench Steph, because Idle Porter Jr. barely played this year for Raptors. Gary Payton II has not even played yet for the Blazers. And so they still would have run into issues if they kept those guys, but they could have been more creative in how they filled out the rest of their roster where it's you didn't have to resign andre gadala you got down to Vincenzo, great ed and then Jamichael green hasn't worked out and you're calling it a day it's just we have kaminga and wiseman and and moody and those guys are going to step up you trusted the youth and the unproven developmental projects too much i think you even trusted jordan Poole too much playing well right now but it's had a pretty bad year overall so i would have liked to have seen them even make it it wasn't a signing make a trade james wiseman you should have dangled him more for bench depth and my humble opinion someone who might be your seventh best best player because it's not him right now we'll see if it pans out in the long term but at the moment if you think Steph is going to come back and you want to make a run Wiseman is just not valuable to you the Rockets no wild regrets here if you want some people might want them to have fired Steven Silas by now I'm just I maybe I just think they took too long to um you know uptick um increase Alperin and role they've run a lot more stuff from him through thanksgiving but even so you can see dragged down by the beginning of the year like his touches in the front court are down this season per game compared to last year his usage is down that has more to do with probably his shooting um, he's also cut down on on his turnovers which has helped too so I, I won't read too much into that and again they're running more stuff from him run even more there shouldn't barring foul trouble there shouldn't be a game where he's playing under 25 minutes and i think it's good that his you know paint touches for 36 minutes are up this season and like i said they've really started to juice his volume juices even more he's your best passer right now and you i think you need to milk that even more than you already have and also get some guys moving around him more too there's like one cut on these possessions they have quarter one guy moving and then like the possession just dies if it doesn't work out so i'd like to see more of that the indiana pacers Lack of clarity on the front line. I didn't want to just pick Miles Turner, but there's a trickle-down effect here. By leaving the Miles Turner situation unsettled, you don't really know what you want out of your four spot. Um, so hat tip, um, excuse me, Rhett Bauer for you know, chopping it up with me about this on the side. And also you just didn't have wings on this roster to begin with. Aaron Neesmith has been... Um, really nice this year. Andrew Nemhar has been able to guard up a bunch, guarded some threes, guarded some fours too this year. I appreciate that Indiana has gotten gloriously weird at the Ford when you just look at like, Benedict Matherin has defended some fours this season. Um, But like, you want to figure this out at some point. And so if you're going to renegotiate and extend Miles Turner, good. Work your way back from there. What do you want out of the four spot? Is it a Jalen Smith type player? Is it someone someone else? Um, Are you going to go with more of a power wing? there at the four spot if you're gonna have miles Turner, i would i prefer power wing more than jalen smith to be honest with you but what are you gonna do with the three spot then like benedict mather and buddy heel chris duarte like those are all swingmen guards to me you have o'shea Brissett; he's a free agent and criminally underplayed still Um, and there's just that lack of clarity it's not just about turner it's what do we want out of the rest of this it's a lack of true wing options and then sort of a lack of an idea what you want at that Second forward spot and then also just at the center spot because are you going to keep Miles Turner or not? The LA Clippers, I think the biggest regret just has to be not being more innovative or experimental with their offense. Um, and I would just phrase that as they're 28th in point score per possession, but they're killing people when Kawhi Leonard is on the court with Paul George and when Kawhi Leonard is on the court without Paul George. Their top end units are title contender material. But, like, the John Wall stuff just hasn't worked out. He's not giving you the same variable cadence in the half court, not getting to the rim as much as he was at the start of the season, bailing out a lot. Um, I don't think you need to guarantee him minutes, even, you know, he's not playing both ends of back-to-backs, but even beyond that. You don't need to guarantee – Reggie Jackson's been better, but you don't need to guarantee him minutes. Norman Powell's played a lot better, so he needs to be there. But do you need – Covington's already out of the rotation. Do you need Marcus Morris in all of these games? Like, let's give some jet fuel in the form of Luke Kennard – um his just sort of functional shooting from the outside and then also the the rim pressure and defensive energy that Terrence Mann is is going to give you. The Los Angeles Lakers, this is easy. Forgetting once again that wings are valuable rotation assets or the Rob Polinka extension, but they're both basically the same thing to me. It's not failure to trade Russell Westbrook over the offseason. I don't think unless they could have had Kyrie that there's a trade out there that would have rescued them from where they are this season. You you can't, you know, you weren't going to prevent Anthony davis from getting injured with a trade and i think that the roster was just so far gone no single trade barring one for a superstar was ever going to to save you from the fate that you're suffering now and so i just focus on why didn't you even optimize with the tools you went with you stacked up on guys under six five basically um or under six six however you want to look at it like lonnie walker the the fourth has been like good fit better in the offense than i thought he would um but, like, why did you need him? If you knew – you had to know the Beverly trade was, a, like, in the fire. You end up signing Dennis Schroeder. You still have Kendrick Nunn. You added Troy Brown Jr. Wantus um, Conway Anderson is not really a wing, but at least, like, Soda counts as one. There's him and Austin Reeves and LeBron, and that's, like, kind of sort of it for this team. Um, Why weren't they in on Utah Wantanabe or TJ Warren? Did they, I'm sure Wantanabe definitely would have been an option for them. Did TJ Warren not want to go there? It seems like he really wanted to go to Brooklyn. So. They needed to do more to get actual wings and to, to make the roster make sense, which is something they failed to do time and again during the LeBron James era. The Grizzlies, my, my regret is them not getting more of a an established veteran to diversify the front court. I, however, will not pretend that the Grizzlies have any regrets. They would probably trash talk me into a sobbing fetal position if I directly suggested to them that this is what they should have done. At, and look, I don't blame them. They've they've had a lot of developmental hits. Bain might be an all-star if he didn't miss over a month with that right toe injury. Um, Sandy Aldama is super useful and just sort of everywhere. David Roddy is this idiosyncratic utility. Um, you can see the vision of Jake Laravia and his outside values. Zaire Williams, who dealt with a knee injury to start the year, has the fluidity and length to make things happen, even if he too often plays at a speed best described as buffering. Everything's hunky-dory. But, like, we're talking playoff basketball. If you want to get to um lineups and you are going to with jaron jackson jr at the five and you don't have anderson you don't have melton anymore yeah your defense is fine you're forcing turnovers again but it just feels like you need to upgrade the aldama roddy minutes here brandon clark minutes even because he's been such a matchup problem against certain teams including the warriors someone like kyle kuzma would have been great they should have been in on the jeremy grant sweepstakes the fact that they didn't go that route and they have the assets to it's just a little bit disappointing to me. And I get what they're doing, but I think it should be a regret given how good they are. They should approach the the potential for win now upgrades with more urgency. Miami Heat, their regret inadequately replacing the PJ Tucker minutes. He was gone for Philly no matter what, even if they were going to match the money. I don't think they would have, but they could have if they would have. I think he still would have left. Um, So it's not about him leaving specifically, but you did nothing to replace him. And yes, I know you were limited uh, inflexibility and spending power. You brought back Kayla Martin. Those minutes with him at the four have been a net neutral about. They've been okay, and he's been good for them. But Jimmy Butler's had to play more four than ever. That's got to be taxing on him. And then you're sort of trying to get by with Hayward, Highsmith. We've seen the corpse of Duncan Robinson there for a bit, and as well as uh, rookie Nikola uh, And we've seen the Heat's offense and offensive rebounding in particular suffer accordingly. I get Miami still has time to exit this holding pattern, but like they also don't. The margin for error in the East is not that great. They are worse, especially on offense, than they were last year. Even as they're starting to tick up at the moment, and just skulking around the Jay Crowder room real doesn't count as making a move. I'm sorry, it just it doesn't. Like you need to strike at some point. The Bucks, I think they needed to do more to beef up their half court offense. I know that Chris Middleton hasn't really played this year. He, Drew Holiday, and Giannis have played in just five games together as, as we talk right now. It's an issue, but like signing Joe Ingles was a flex when you knew that Middleton wasn't going to be available to start the year because Joe Ingles wasn't available to start the year. I don't know if that money could have gotten you TJ Warren. And so we're, we're splitting hairs over, well, who was available? Why not be more aggressive looking for trades at that point? Like Jordan Clarkson would have been eminently more gettable from Utah before the season started. And now you probably don't have the assets to get him. And you've been linked to Jay Crowder who unlocks lineups. If you want to play, Giannis is the lone big which I guess against certain teams but Brooke Lopez has been so good why would you want to do that meanwhile you're sitting 23rd half-court offense 26th and half-court offense at the start of um, December Middleton might come back but are it like full health is not assured for this team or any other team I think the Ingles signing in retrospect might have been a touch too ambitious for them I just don't know that they had the the runway to do that and I would like to see them link to like you know step ladder your way to Eric Gordon will go a long way for this team, even if you have to give up your 2029 20, first, would you put Marjon Bochamp on the table for certain players? I don't, not Jake Crowder. Would you do it for Jordan Clarkson? He's going to be aspiring. Would you do for Eric Gordon? Probably not. But like, why weren't you in on the Kevin Herter sweepstakes, given that the Hawks really only got a pick for him? Uh Luke Kennard, it seems like he would have been gettable from, from the Clippers. So I would have liked to have seen the Bucks to do more to fortify a half-court offense that was already fragile dating back to last season. The Timberwolves... Going all in on the Regal Bear experiment—it just—it has to be this. Yes, they need more time. Towns missed most of the preseason and training and a bunch of training camp, I believe. And now he's out again. Regal Bears missed some time too. Very stop and start nature of the Wolf season. But they gave up. What's the? They gave up Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, D'Angelo ballermo Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, four first-round picks, and one swap. Now, given Vanderbilt's contract and how well he played last season, under team control still. And then that Walker Kessler was just drafted at the time. That's really the equivalent of six first-round picks in a swap. And you can argue it's the equivalent of seven first-round picks, depending on how you feel about Malik Beasley. You don't make that move. You don't pay that bounty unless you know this is going to work, unless you know that Gobert is your line to title contention. He has not been that. And it's not just the partnership with, with towns. They've lost the minutes, those two share at the floor. They've gotten obliterated when Gobert is by himself and testing out more of his offense. It's been interesting to watch, but like when he needs to make more complicated or intermediate decisions, it doesn't always look pretty. He's taken more jumpers this year already than he did all of last year. He's still hitting them at a sub 35% clip. Uh, this has not worked out. And if you wanted to test it out and you didn't think Jared Vanderbilt was sort of enough of, of a proxy, why not go the miles Turner route? Why not even like even Rashawn Holmes would have been too low level at that. I just, you should have waited into this and not gone immediately all. like Jeremy Grant even would have made more sense. Like play him as just the with towns and give him a lot of the center responsibilities to see how that works. It would have cost less than what you did for Rudy Gobert who's now on the wrong side of 30 and just doesn't really look the same. Opponents are shooting almost 60% against him at the rim. It's a, it's below the league average of what opponents hit it, shoot at the rim, but it's also the worst mark Rudy Gobert's ever allowed in his career. The Pelicans, this one was tough. For a team that didn't have Zion last year, they don't have a lot of regrets. I think you go back to starting Hayes um, in every game of the playoffs last year against the Suns. And hat tip, Mason Ginsburg for really shining a light on this for me from the In the Know podcast. That's a great podcast. Check it out. Uh, he played 83 minutes, and most of those came alongside Jonas Valanciunas, and the Pelicans were outscored by 21 points in 77 minutes with those two on the court. Why? Like, what? Like, like why? I The – those two were effective, especially on the offensive glass when they played together. They weren't good enough overall for the Pelicans to view them as the staple in the playoffs. They were playing free of expectations. So I get it. Some people think Zion could have gone. Imagine if he just played Jackson Hayes' 83 minutes. Like he doesn't play any other, other than those 83 minutes. Do the Pelicans win that series? I'm reticent to say yes, just because you would be throwing him in cold, Zion in cold at that point. But like you could have gone other routes, just your. Basically, Jonas Valanciunas with all wings or ball handlers around him. They might have won that series. If you also want to um, nitpick that it took Willie Green too long to go from Garrett Temple to Trey Murphy in the rotation, that's fine. But they kind of figured that out earlier in 2022. The Knicks, this one's easy. It's taking too long to clear the runway and continuously confounding and obfuscating their direction. It's not the Donovan Mitchell trade that wasn't. Yes, you assembled all these picks to a trade for a star and then quite literally didn't trade for a star using those picks who wanted to play for you. I understand some people want to pick that. I won't argue. I just don't think the Knicks would have given up that ransom. They wouldn't have been good enough to win a title and wouldn't have had enough assets to turn around and get another star immediately. It's okay, whether it was by choice or by force, that they didn't end up with Donovan Mitchell. This tendency for them to sort of just fuck around in the sub-middle, I know they just won eight games. They followed up with a five-game losing streak. I don't care that Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett suffered injuries. You don't get you know, pretty much just your defense was embarrassed by the Spurs. There have been high points. You know, Tibbs has gotten away from Derek Rose and Evan Fournier. We've seen the defense tick up generally with Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride and Emmanuel Quickly being a part of the rotation. There's still, and this isn't just on Tibbs, it's not just on the players, there's still just this lack of alignment within the Knicks. We know that they have basically two separate front offices at least. And there's a disconnect. You gave up a conditional first round pick for Cam Reddish who never really was even given a shot. I'm not saying he needs to play right now with OB out. I would probably look at him more at the four, whatever. But like, now you're just going to accept that as a sunk cost or move him for pennies on the dollar. If, if you can even get that, Um, why was Emmanuel quickly available at all this year when he was playing so well defensively? just because you didn't trust his offense. But like, what were you pivoting to after that? You only recently started playing Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes, and the quickly rumors predate those. What is going to go on with Obi Toppin when he's healthy? Right now, it's not an issue. Julius Randle's playing well. Toppin is injured. It's going to become an issue again. This team is so confusing. And I think that they've made progress relative to last season. But it's not enough to say that their vision, their long-term outlook is clearer because of it. Okay, see, uh, I think that you could maybe regret them not being able to find, like, uh, a a. Wrists made of Teflon that they could rush order from Amazon or something for Ujman Jang. The dude's just had some um, wrist issues entering the league, and he's been really fun to watch this season to me. Uh, But really, the only regret is not surrounding Shea with more shooting, I think. The Thunder are tied for the lead in crunch time minutes played. They have a losing record in those stretches. Shea has been great, turned in an all-NBA campaign, even amid the cramped spacing. But the Thunder are 22nd in three-point attempt rate and 20th in three-point accuracy. Um, Isaiah Joe and Alexei Pokoshevsky, who's now going to be out for six to eight weeks, are the only players on the roster attempting at least three triples per game while also hitting them at or above a league average clip. I want to see Shea around more shooting. I just, I want to see him. The Thunder would be, I, they were kind of like, you know, prowling around the, the play-in tournament territory right now. They might, if they just had more shooting because they tend to overachieve defensively and figure those lineups out, uh, and I think Jang is going to be an excellent defender. I hope he's able to you know, come back and look good this season. Um, J-Dub has been really good. If he's ever able to consistently hit a three on moderate volume, that's going to be like a terrifying player. So they could be more playing worthy than they already are now. I think if they just had more shooting around Shea. Um The Orlando Magic, they don't really have a regret either. I, th- I thought about it. I talked to Kobe Price at the Orlando Sentinel about this briefly and they could have, you know, we had the pre-draft subterfuge where they made everyone think they were taking Jabari only to pivot to Paolo. Could they have done something where they were going to pivot to Chet Holmgren and made OKC give up an asset to jump up a spot? We know OKC was willing to consolidate picks because they did that for Usman Jang. Or would OKC have just taken Paolo? That's sort of the the variable I can't account for here. They might have just taken Paolo Bancaro, And so you can't call it a regret. I think it's just why is Terrence Ross still on the roster? Uh, it's not failure to get involved in the Don Mitchell sweepstakes. And I don't even think Terrence Ross is a big regret. It's just he could have maybe gotten you something from a contender at last year's deadline. I know he's a valuable locker room presence in Orlando, but he hasn't really shot a good enough clip from three in in quite some time actually to give you any real value and like his place in the rotation. If you're planning on ever being at full strength again, Suggs is injured. Like you have faults and Cole Anthony back. Um, It does get a little murky, especially with Gary Harris coming back as well. And he makes more sense for this roster at the moment. I just think that they probably should have moved Ross at the 2022 trade deadline to open up even different types of combinations or force themselves to acquire more complimentary shooting this past summer. Uh, I don't want to repeat just what I said for OKC, but this is a team that could benefit from, from that as well. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, this one hat tip, Brian uh Teporek from uh, Forbes and Liberty ballers leaving Joel Embiid in too long during their game six win over Toronto during the playoffs. Look, let's just set the stage here. Embiid suffers a mild concussion and right orbital fracture against um, the Raptors in game six that the Sixers were winning. There were less than four minutes remaining. The Sixers were up by almost 30. Why did Doc Rivers have this man in there? Embiid was already banged up, remember. He then goes on to miss the first two games of the semifinals against Miami. Philly lost both those games by a combined 30 points while relying too heavily on DeAndre Jordan. There were some bright Paul Reed moments there, but they were just absolutely waxed. Embiid comes back, isn't totally the same. The Sixers lose. I will say we can't guarantee the Sixers would have rewritten playoff history if Embiid never got hurt. I don't know that they were good enough or even healthy enough to to do that. But, like, that's a pretty – it's kind of flown under the radar. I know there's hostility towards Doc and Philly, but it's just sort of not been written off. But I feel like we don't talk about this enough. Where What would have happened if Embiid never gets injured against the Raptors in that game six? The Phoenix Suns. So – the collapse against the Mavericks in game seven is definitely up here, but I, I had a hard time reconciling the report that there was a COVID outbreak amid the team and that some players were sick. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that there wasn't some sort of smoke screen. And so I went with sort of a bigger picture item where I think it, you know, it impacts that game seven collapse because it can go back to last year's trade deadline and it goes up to right now, not taking a bigger swing on the trade market. I know they were linked to the Kevin Durant rumor mill for a bit that put them in a holding pattern, they didn't spend their taxpayer mid-level exception. You can argue with me that there was no one to spend it on. Why is Jay Crowder still in your payroll? Didn't show up, wants an extension, you won't give him one fine, whatever. Move him. You've now dealt with injuries to Chris Paul, to Cam Johnson, to Cameron Payne, who was having a bounce back year. And now Devin Booker's out for four weeks. You just, before I recorded this, um, lost to the Raptors. DeAndre Ayton just looked completely listless for so much of that game. You don't have enough even at full strength at this point, I think you can, I think you can argue that they need a second best player, a clear second best player, given what's happened. Paul's been a little bit better than probably the national perspective. um, Seems to trend, but is he like, this should be the second best player on the team. And then I still think there's too much inconsistency peppered into DeAndre Ayton's game specifically, but also Mikael Bridges's. So why do something James Jones, like you don't get, you know, Acquiring Chris Paul wasn't a risk. It happened over the offseason. Make a fucking midseason move, like a real meaningful one, not reacquiring Tory Craig or something along those lines. Eric Gordon, that's someone who could help them. I don't know if they're one Eric Gordon away right now after the Devin Booker injury, um, but if you partner him with K.J. Martin in that trade. Kyle Kuzma, he's floating around out there. You could try and take a bigger swing. I don't know if Siakam will become available. I do think the Knicks would trade Julius Randle, but it's probably costing you two first now rather than just expiring, so that would be something to consider do something sons your window to win is still now and sitting on your ass i know the roberts over ownership transfer complicates matters it's just not an excuse this team needed to take a bigger swing on the trade market a while ago the blazers this was tough some people might regret the gary payton the second contract i think when he actually does debut he's kind of exactly what they need they're having depth issues defensive issues right now not having him as part of that but he's also part of the solution so can you regret that if you want to say that they should have blown it up over the offseason even further rather than pivot into the instant turnaround, that's something that's weird. I understand it, but like you can't do that while you still have Dame, and why would you move Dame when he wants to be there? That's just my stance. So I went with – they didn't get an extra 2022 first-rounder. They had one coming from New Orleans in the C.J. McCollum-Larry Nash Jr. trade uh, because of where the Pelicans ended up finishing. Um, that did not convey. And so what happened was they got Milwaukee's 2025 first, which they used that and the trade exception from the McCollum trade to get Jeremy Grant. That's all fine. They didn't get a first round pick when they moved Covington and Powell. That says a lot about how Powell was viewed around the league, I think, but to not even get an extra 2022 first, that could have been a valuable body in what's become a fairly shallow rotation or just another trade asset. When you turned over so much of your roster, we're talking about four players that, teams wanted Robert Covington not playing much right now for, for the Clippers. They still extended him. Both CJ McComb and Larry Nash jr. Got extensions in new Orleans and Norman Powell is like kind of sneaky, like entering the fringes of the six man of the year conversation after a really bad start, just to like Keon Johnson. No, that doesn't do it for me. The Detroit second, uh, I in, I know the Clippers didn't have a first to spare, but like that to not be able to get an extra 2022 first round or even something in just more imminent than 2020. Like, on top of that 2025, I think that would have gone a longer way for them. And it's not the McCollum trade specifically then, because you get a first round pick out of that. It's giving up Covington and Powell, I believe, without getting a first round pick back. The Sacramento Kings. This one, look, you want to focus on the Tyrese Halliburton trade. I get it. I still wouldn't have made the deal. The Kings are in the playoff line right now. So bonus is going to be an all-star. You can't say that it's a regret. When that was the Kings angle, they wanted another all star and they wanted to be in the playoff on. Fast forward a few years, we can see where both these franchises are, where Halley is, what the Pacers are doing, what the Kings are doing, what Sabonis is doing, all of it. Uh, for now, that can't be the regret. And just because I don't agree with the trade doesn't mean that the Kings need to lament it at the moment. So I, I just went with um, you, you could look at the wing rotation. You want more of a pure wing than just having Keegan Murray or there's been Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes, but they, they figured out a way to make it work generally. The backup center rotation, and most recently, they've had a reality check with that, given the thumb injury Sabonis is playing through. Uh, That's been an issue. It's Metu has probably been their best, most consistent option after Sabonis. Did they have to bring back Alex Lin? I don't even know. Giving him a two-year deal in the first place in 2021, I think it was, was always bizarre. Uh, They've kind of punted on Rashawn Holmes until recently. Should they invest more in a renaissance for him? Should they try to move him? Does he still have value? Uh, but the the big man rotation behind Sabonis is sketchy and when you're talking about high stakes playoff minutes or high stakes minutes that doesn't matter but he's also playing through an injury and you kind of recognize like oh there's going to be let's say a minimum of 10 to 13 minutes a game that he's not on the court and you want to be able to hold up for those as rim protection or not someone who needs to like facilitate the offense the way he does but just is at least competent on defense and can like Hit some shots, set some screens on the offensive end, and not doing more. Maybe keeping Damian Jones, who's been like non-existent for the Lakers, but play well for the Kings last year. That's something they maybe should have looked into. The Spurs, this is tough. They're in they're in the bottom by design. You could say, oh, they didn't trade Josh Richardson or Doug McDermott or Yakka Perl yet. That's just not a regret. Those guys aren't ruining their tank. Um and it might even make more sense to resign Jakob Perle after this season. I think it's not bringing in a veteran floor general after the DeJounte Murray and Derek White trades just to sort of help streamline the development of everyone else. You have gained valuable intel on Kelvin Johnson, who looks overstretched in his role, but still, you know where he is. Um, Devin Vassell, nice pick and roll maestro now. And then Trey Jones, steadying hand, still probably shouldn't be running um, the offense as a as a starter or playing starter minutes. Someone else, I don't know who it would have been, but, like, they had the flexibility just to bring in, oversee the kids to provide some half-court structure. Um consistent game managing they don't have that right now and i'm not saying that they need to like they're again they are bad they are organically bad that's what they want it to be and they are exploring the depths and limitations of their roster but you get to a point where it's like okay you you kind of want to if, if things aren't working out for someone um it's nice that you get to test jeremy Sowen at 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 point card units but like if things aren't working out and you want to take the ball out of Kelvin johnson's hands a little bit more it gets a lot harder to do that uh, and that would have been nice to see if they could get just like a veteran guy to come in and help steer the ship. The Raptors, uh, prioritizing Project 6 9 over roster balance and actual needs is, is definitely a regret. The half court offense, still bad. The defense lately, been god awful. Um, they've dealt with injuries. Presta Chua isn't playing. Otto Porter Jr. isn't playing. Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam missed time. But once again, they are so reliant on ISOs and then their key players. OG, Pascal, and Fred Van Fleet all rank in the top 10 of minutes per game. Scotty Barnes, playing a bunch, not worried about him, hasn't been as good as last year, at the very least, hasn't made a leap. Like, why was this a team that it felt like, oh, they were involved tangentially in the Kevin Durant rumors, but they were never linked to Donovan Mitchell? Too small or not worth it. Um, and if, okay, fine, you don't want them to go for a star trade. They were good enough last season to say, well, let's think medium size. Like, why like Eric Gordon, someone else for this team? That would have made a ton of sense. Um, you know, I still think they should have been involved in the Mitchell trade. Not to necessarily belabor that, but like even being on the markets of like when you've seen these lower level assets become available, where it's they weren't one of the teams that was linked to having interest in Emmanuel quickly. Maybe you don't trust his offense, but his defense sure would have fit this team the way that he likes to pressure guys. Um, just to name one. So wh- why, like, why weren't you involved in someone who could help you create in half court? Um on someone who, I guess might give you even more defensive depth with the way that you want to defend, I suppose, or why weren't you showing more flexibility in the schemes that you're having where you just want to play this exhaustive style of defense that is going to grade on your players, especially when they're playing so many minutes? I really just think that they needed to that they've they've typecast themselves too much. and that's almost their search for versatility and positionless basketball basically has actually led them into this. Very rigid state where now it's okay. Well, if you don't want to make a buy now move, I'm not saying it needs to be for a start medium-sized guy. But if you're not willing to do that, then it's time to just blow everything up and and retinker around Barnes and Siakam and and Adanobi, or maybe just Ananobi and Barnes. The Jazz. This is interesting. I put the regret as the uninspiring loss against Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. I get that that was the impetus for them blowing it up and being where they are now, which is stocked with assets and also one of the. The friskiest, darling teams in the the league. You would have liked to have seen the Mitchell-Gobert era end just more blissfully. Um, could they put up more perimeter defensive resistance against Jalen Brunson? You know, Luka Doncic missed the first two games of that series, was it? um, no, they didn't have Luka game four in that series. That's right. So like, and then to still lose—that's just a weird way to go out. And I think that the team, unless they won a championship, we're gonna break it up anyway. They didn't try to make upgrades throughout the season. It very much felt like they were just letting the core run its course. And to see it end the way that it did, just so uninspiring, was was disappointing. The Wizards—I uh, have it as forfeiting all the levers in the Bradley Beal contract. I just don't know how you get around that. Bradley Beal went on and talked to Gilbert Arenas and said he's basically stayed in Washington because he had no other. Alternatives when it came to winning teams. So this is someone, limited cap space landscape, didn't have a ton of options. There's always options. There could have been signed and trade scenarios, but didn't have options really to sign outright. You gave him not only the full-blown super max, you gave him a player option on the final year. You gave him a 15% trade kicker and a no trade clause. You lost every single element of that negotiation. That is unacceptable, unforgivable. You also lost the Cantavius call of Pope trade. You definitely lost um, the draft. do you even like, do you even know who your rookie is for this team? I like you can't, I'm not even gonna name him because I want to know if Washington themselves can actually name him or be willing to name him. Um, so like how I just uh, this team is baffling to me, where it's are you so content to be worse than the middle? that you're like you gave Bradley Beal all this money I get that he wanted to stay that's cool that's fine cute 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 but but like aim for something higher and you didn't like you tread water in the middle now you don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Kuzma the rookie's name is Johnny Davis by the way I can if any Wizards fans are in the comments yes I know who Johnny Davis is um but like and I I think people were talking about he looked his jumper looked broken and before summer league so that would explain a lot but Regardless, I just the bright spot for this team has been like Jordan Goodwin, like, oh, his, his emergence and then Kyle Kuzma, of course, and Christoph Porzingis being a fringe all star. You're just sort of like floating around here in Nowheresville. And I think Brad, the Bradley Beal contract is kind of a symptom of that. And I didn't want to focus on the Wizards not blowing it up because it's fine that you brought back Bradley Beal, but you couldn't have done it under even semi favorable circumstances to yourself. Now, if and when you do decide to pivot and they will have to pivot, the decision's not going to be their own. The leverage is going to be nil. He has it all. That's my biggest regret for every team from the um, 2022 calendar year. If you disagree, uh, let me know, but be kind about it because we all know that I have uh, a very fragile ego. Please remember to subscribe or if you're consuming this. Subscribe everywhere. Ratings reviews help us on word of mouth, recommendations, any way that you can support the show. Join the Discord, follow us on socials, links to that are in the podcast in the YouTube description. Until next time, and as always, I you with the shout-out to the one, the only, the indelible. Can never regret having him on your roster. Right. You. Yeah.